This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. For 20% off and free shipping, go to manscaped.com and use code PROBABLY. Probably science. Hello and welcome to Probably Science. My name is Andy Wood. My name is Jesse Case. And I'm Matt Kirshen. Hey everyone, how's hey. it going? Hey, going, going well. Um, uh, yeah, going well. How are you? Well, I, I'm good. I, w- I want to jump straight into the guests because this is yes. maybe the yes. the quickest audience tagging someone to conversation to being a guest on the show we've ever had. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we only just were talking on the show about the unlikelihood of late, later in life magicianing uptake. <laughs> right. Well, we, we were talking about the, the bravery to stick with a childhood phase. Right. Like th- through, you know, like you're into magic and you just see it out, you uh, know? Uh, yeah. And it went from there to just describing how magic is, is definitely something that you, you have a tendency to pick up early or not at all. And then. Right. So we thought. And, so and we then thought. We, got, we got Twitter tags uh, saying, hey, have you spoken to Matt Donnelly? Matt Donnelly's your guy. And you want boy, Matt Donnelly for this. Yes. Boy, do we have hollow plastic eggs on our face. <laughs> but, um, but also, I stand by, I stand by my previous. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that that is the voice of of Matt Donnelly, but I I'm gonna I'm gonna stand I'm gonna st- stick with my guns stick to my guns and and I still stand by this point because oh you're definitely right I yeah I don't think it counts if you happen to already be best mates with Penn right. off of Penn and Teller and That's... and co-host his show and then do it on a dare <laughs> from hit like if you if you happen to already be it, mates with one of the most famous TV magicians in the world and then do it on a dare from him that's that's cheating that doesn't count I, I agree it, I think it counts I think it counts as an adult I mean however you get there you know what I mean like yeah. I I mean you know one of one of my best friends is a forensics guy but I haven't become a homicide detective <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, you just do, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, take it from me. Yeah, yeah, Jesse. Well, well, we've had, I mean, we've had, so we've had astronauts on, we've had astrophysicists, we've had paleontologists. We have never had a mind noodler. This is the first, right. mind, first noodler mind noodler yeah. that we've yeah. had right. on the we, show. For, for context there, I would highly recommend, we, we will link to it in the show, but I had already seen this clip, but this is Matt, when having taken up magic at, as an adult, as a fully grown man, went on Penn and Teller's <laughs> Fool Us to uh, attempt to fool his friends Penn and Teller. Uh, it's a very funny bit. Yeah, like uh, it's it's well worth ten minutes of your time. It's on YouTube. We'll put that link in there. Oh, wonderful! And also but, Im- impressive, you know, an impressive. Th- so yeah, so let's I let's back to... up a bit. You 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 let's are a comedian up. and improviser by trade. Correct. Yeah. Uh, for years, uh, started performing improv and comedy, started writing comedy when I was like 15, 16 years old, uh, started performing in New York at like 19, um, moved to Vegas, uh, when my wife booked Jersey Boys, um, oh, cool. and, uh, from there I kind of like weaseled my way into interning for Penn and Teller, uh, on their Discovery Channel show. And then as an intern, they let me take passes on the script and that got me hired as one of their comedy writers. Um, and so then I started working on every American season of Fool Us. And that's where you guys are totally right. All I do is interview 
um, 60 magicians a year about their background and all of them are like I started when I was eight I've never had another job I've been professional <laughs> since I was nine and uh, and 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 I'm like right uh, I hate to tell you this but everyone says that and I need to come up with something else for Allison Hannigan to talk to you about um, right. and so uh, that's like my job is just breaking the news to them that they all have the same background um, and it was uh, it was mouthing off to Penn backstage we, we, we meet up in between episode tapings and hang out in this dressing room and I said, um, you know, gosh, it's easier to make a living as a magician than it is a comedian. I should just learn four tricks and do corporate improv the rest of my life. <laughs> and he said, uh, he goes, it's harder than you think, but you might be better at it than you think. Why don't you learn a goddamn trick? And I was like, right. and I got scared and I sweat. And then he spent the entire rest of the season brainstorming different ways for me to start doing magic. Uh, and then basically my wife was like, um, Pendulum is telling you how to do magic. I think maybe you should try it. And I was like, <laughs> good talk, good talk. Right, uh, and you also and happen did. to live in Vegas, which is pretty much magic central for the US. It's, like that's where it's heavily saturated for sure. The magician per capita here, very high. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, yeah, yeah. It has a higher, uh, yeah, higher MPC than most most cities. Here, um, here in Vegas, like depressing occupations sound amazing. So if you say circus clown, magician, or poker player, <laughs> like that, those are revered things in this town, and it's pretty much sad everywhere else. So yeah. No, yeah. I would imagine that uh, having a history at improv helps a lot in magic because I uh, like. Okay, you know if you do if you're doing a performing an illusion, right? Yes. Um, you have to nail every step or the whole thing fucking falls apart. You know, like, yeah. um, you know, like if you look at like Vernon's cups and balls or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like 500 elements. You got to think about 20 things at once and the, it just the whole shit can fall apart. And I would imagine that a lot of magicians not to, you know, talk down on magicians, but, um, you know, they're a little awkward, you know, <laughs> I would imagine I, I, it would be I, yeah, difficult to, for a lot of them to get out of it. But I think you could. I mean, has that helped you weasel out of tricky spots? Oh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Also, though, and it's strangely enough, also, it just um, allows uh, me to be comfortable with failure. Right. Uh, so starting something very late in life, I wasn't going to be good at it, you know, right away. <laughs> and so um, improv, you get used to kind of failure and moving on. And uh, that that came in handy a lot early on. And also, like... If you see a magician and one thing goes wrong, sometimes they get so frustrated it can affect the rest of their show. As an improviser, you're used to like one game or one scene going wrong, and you just kind of cut it out and move right. on as fast as possible, and the audience hopefully doesn't even remember that you did that crappy right. scene. But also, um, that helps with magic a lot. Also, I think well between magic and comedy, and I've I've, I've spoken to a friend of the show, Kerry Marks, about that quite a bit because Kerry, our listeners will remember, great comedian now, but was a magician at one point and right. it has the the same deal as well in that the audience doesn't know what you were meant to be doing like i've, I've had friends of mine come off stage right. and going like oh i forgot this bit of a joke or whatever and like they don't know it's annoying to you because you think they might have liked that joke but it's like they don't know that you got that bit wrong that you did the joke right. wrong and and his when he talked to me about you know he's doing card magic he would nearly always have you know, backups and plan B's and the ability to think on the fly. And, it, you know, if like if they ended up picking, like if the card force were failed and they didn't, or whatever, they didn't pick the card that they were meant to or something went wrong, 
he could switch gears to a different trick and they don't know what the thing is that he was meant to be doing he's they don't know what the final effect was meant to be so he if you finish in a different way as long as it's still a trick then they're happy yeah, I mean, one of the favorite, my favorite things to talk about is magicians when they're supposed to get it wrong, accidentally getting it right, right? So you, you palm <laughs> off a card and you slip it under their drink and you want to go ahead and guess their card and then you're going to get it wrong and you go, oh, okay, I guess I'm wrong here. Let's take a sip and then, oh, look under your, look under your thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you, you, there's a lot of magic tricks that kind of follow that that path that's just a good visual example of one. And right. so you go like, I bet you chose the four of hearts and they're like, I did. And you're like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. uh, you consider I, yourself noodled and then you and, and then that you, card just sits under the drink the whole time right. you just you have to move on right or just find another tr- another way of getting them to say yeah. that card that's underneath the glass now <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> it turns out that you can just sometimes nail it with a one in 52 chance so. yeah wow Wow. So, so Matt, are you now in the the Brotherhood? Can you get uh, a, a table at the Magic Castle without a reservation? Like, what level I, magician oh, are you? Great question. Great question. And great timing. I'm about to play Magic Castle for the first time next week. Whoa. December, December 6th through the 12th. Um, I just got approved to perform there, which does not make you an automatic member there. And everyone keeps asking me if I'm going to join now. And I don't know if that... Ex- if that extent comes as an extension of performing there or not. Um, and right now I'm not trying to be greedy, like, hey, thanks for the week, but like, do I become a member or what? So I'm just trying to play it cool right now to find out whether I do or don't. But as of right now, no, I can't even get you in. Uh, uh, which wow. which room are you performing in? Wow, you guys are, you guys have done your research. I've been there a bunch. <laughs> oh, okay, great. It's great fun. I love that place. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing the, playing the parlor. I'm playing the parlor there. Cool. Cool. Um, I'm very excited Which, about it. Is that the the media? I've, there's like three sizes of room. I've, yes, yeah. it is the medium yeah. room with the big stadium seating. It's like the right. comedy store, but magic. Yes. Can, it's, you, um, I've been in that one and uh, had somebody do a thing which I think I know what they were doing. This is not. I'm not asking you to tell me about how a trick is done, but how I will they, reveal um, every magician's trick you want. <laughs> no, no, I want to know how this removal of a drunk person uh, <laughs> happened. So uh, this, this person needed um, a volunteer and called somebody up onto stage who was way too drunk to, to be able to have the show work. Ah. And, and then uh, a cameraman suddenly shows up and um, through a series of plausible to a drunk person, but to me, I'm like, oh, this is a good fake way to get a drunk person off stage <laughs> without saying you're drunk. They said, oh, you know what? We were doing, um, we, were, we have a photographer here to document tonight, and for the balance of color, uh, he can't have somebody with whatever color dress the drunk person's wearing, so they have to swap them out for somebody else. So whatever's a button you press, a photographer comes, and you say, oh, that color doesn't work, uh, <laughs> and you have to leave the oh stage. Oh my God, I hope. I haven't performed there yet. I hope they explained to me that process. What a fun <laughs> bit to do. It was pretty amazing yeah. to watch happen. I, I that did, is what happened. I did see there once, um, so, uh, uh, someone I know, Andrew Goldenhirsch, was performing. He's a great close-up magician. Highly recommend you get the chance. So you see him if you get the chance. He was playing in the, the close-up room. And he had one trick with, with a rabbit. And he, so he, you know, he, the rabbit appeared, and then he handed it to this... the the drunkest girl in the party of drunk girls mm. and she looked after it for the rest of the show and that was just it was got like that was her just done for the show that was like 
every like annoying like every bit of chat and suddenly she was intensely focused on looking after this rabbit for the rest of the performance it was great I mean, amazing. well i i Nothing carry around should... a rabbit to stand up yeah. shows <laughs> just, just hand it out to audience members yeah i think he learned that from me several rabbits for late shows yeah nothing nothing sobers you up like caring for an animal mm. yep so yeah it I, man i bet uh, did covid put a hit on the close up room you know I feel like close-up magic has really suffered. Well, COVID well, could have hit the, on the whole the Magic Castle. I was doing stand-up shows in the parking lot, which got turned into a an outdoor <laughs> yeah. drive-in venue. Right. Yeah, yeah Jesse, yeah. I hate to break this to you, but it, it affected a lot of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just worried about the close-up magic scene. <laughs> I know, I get it. Uh, you got to do a gotta... you gotta switch to six feet away at least. No one's yes. going to care about your quarters. That's um, true. Have you done a comedy magic club? Uh, I did so when I first started um, Piff the Magic Dragon he was a big uh, yeah just yeah. America's Got Talent he performs as a headliner at the Flamingo uh, saw my show and asked me to tour with him as his opener so for two years I went with him on the road and we played a lot of comedy clubs um, and then he kind of graduated theaters and I got to graduate with him to playing oh, cool. magic in theaters which was a lot of fun as a, just as, as a comic that my favorite thing to do at that club is, you know, they'll have like eight comics booked and sort of an intermission in the middle, but it's not really an intermission, but it's, it's a magic act. It'll be a 15 minute set, like 15 minute magic act Four comics, magic Four comics. And whenever I would host, I would share a dressing room with the magician. Mm -hmm. So I'd be getting ready to go on. And it's just a guy like feverishly shoving things up his sleeves. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. The amount you know, of pockets he has. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And then sometimes that wouldn't be in the act though. Cause I'd always watch. I love magic. And, uh, and then I'm like, I think this guy just keeps a pigeon in his pants. <laughs> like I, <laughs> For I luck. yeah, totally unrelated. <laughs> like, yeah. I would yeah. say that's not a common. I'd say you found a unique person sure. who likes to keep a pigeon in their pants and not use it in their show. Yeah, was, me, the, was that one of the magicians, Jesse, or was that just... I, I, who, yeah, who knows? Just raised in the back office. Yeah. Some, <laughs> some crazy bum walked in with a pigeon in his pants, and this, it's like, must yeah. be a magician. I assume Have it's a, a magician. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just a guy with a handsaw, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did he eat the pigeon, like, really feverishly? <laughs> let, me, let me ask you uh, this. You know, magic and improv, it's interesting that you picked two things that are extre- that are niche in the sense where everyone loves it like i like you pick two things that makes everybody happy right but the general public if you just went to a starbucks or something they could maybe name two improvisers tops and two magicians totally they they'd say like david copperfield and lance burton or you know whatever like so yeah. i know that you can go all in you know like you you start knowing all these people and stuff who are the magicians? Who are the indie magicians people should be checking out? Oh, uh, that's a good question. You know? I mean, I don't know if that's of, too heavy of a question. Like, no, it's okay. But like a, a guy who probably plays the castle a lot, who I like a lot, is the guy named Rob Zabrecki. Um, he used cool. to be like a punk rock musician. And now he's an incredibly like obtuse but hilarious, like almost alt comedy magician, but does legit magic. Um, yeah. If you've ever seen Piff the Magic Dragon show... It is really, really funny, much funnier than people think. And a lot of people think he's going to make fun of the magic, and he doesn't. He tries really hard to do really good magic, but just, just does an amazing amount of earnest crowd work. 
that yeah. it just becomes this kind of like jazz symphony of bits over a magic show. Um, he's really fun to watch. Um, and of course, you, you brought up Copperfield and, and, and Lance Burton, so I guess I could say Penn and Teller if you haven't seen their show. Right. Um, they, they constantly, because of Fool Us, rewrite their show, so they do a new show all the time. It's fun watching them. Are there any like the like the magician's magician where like the other magicians go in the back and they're just like holy shit, you know? Oh yeah, but like I mean, they're they're like not famous, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I mean a ton. Yeah, there's a ton of guys who do stuff that's impossible. I would say like Carissa Hendricks is probably like the, the uh, funniest magician that people haven't heard of. She does a character called Lucy Darling. And she wins like all these awards and stuff, and every magician oh, cool. knows who she is. And she's just kind of starting to break out now, where the mainstream is starting to kind of understand who she is. But every magician is like, "Oh, Lucy Darling, forget it." You know, she's right, right. She's so good. You know, very cool. But yeah. The the other thing, the, this is again remembering from where I used to live with Carrie, and he just tell me about it's like there's a whole circuit of. Correct me if I'm wrong on this one, Matt, but there's like there's like a circuit of magicians who really only play to other magicians and like they'll play the kind of the conferences the conventions and yeah i'd say that's that's a big departure from improv there's no like improv hobbyists who just kind of collect like classes from other people you know like it's it's a weird thing but like magic has this whole hobbyist element where you can just buy tricks exchange tricks go to lectures about tricks and there's a bunch of people who will never perform and never want to perform that attend um, and that's just something that's not. There's right. really no equivalent to it. And, and some of, some of these guys will like. They, they I guess they will also do shows for the public, but they they will largely devise and perform tricks that just are designed to wow people in the industry and just be like, oh, this guy is just like the best at coin magic in the world. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but I can't tell the difference between someone who's like, I think I can tell a complete hack from an okay magician but I, I can't tell the difference between an okay and a good and a very good and an astonishing in terms of like technique like the technical ability yeah it can get very uh yeah it can be very minutely graded for sure i mean when i first started um pen knew kind of that i was more of an entertainer than a magic nerd and one of the first things he said was like don't get lost in cards don't start doing cards he's like anyone who's been very anyone who's very good at cards either started when they were eight or they spend time in the hospital or time in prison <laughs> you know right and he's like and you're just never you'll never make up the time to be good you'll never be one of those astonishing card guys um, well and, and so also I, I, I like skip that also if if you are not going to go the professional route and you just want to be someone that you know knows some stuff yeah um it's it's like extremely obvious at a party that you brought your own cards because like no no you know people don't just have a deck of cards laying around and it, like i understand why all the close-up stuff used to just be stuff that people had in their coat pocket yes you know but now it's just like people are like i don't have a quarter what the fuck and then and then you it's like you obviously just like brought a quarter to take a bite out of you're the biggest loser like at the <laughs> Uh, is this so, your pocket watch? Who here has a dollar coin? Pass me your dollar coins, please. There, there are books and books on cigarette magic, like yes. books, yeah. you know. And yeah. it's it's amazing to me. And no well, one's updated them to vapes at all. You yeah, no, there needs to be do exactly. It. Do you have any good exactly. like laudanum tricks? Any like opium I pipes? Do. <laughs> yep, One I have of... a lot of uh, absinthe fairy. A lot of <laughs> she, she changes when, how many fingers she's holding up. If if I could posit something. I would think that 
for for me, and again, I'm not. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I I'm one of those uh, magic phases a kid people. You know sure. what I mean? Um, but I think like, you know, when you talk about the lecture circuit and you know the different levels of it, I think a really good you know routine or something it's like similar to um it's like if you if you're learning how to play a song on guitar it's like when you love a song on guitar yeah you you know okay so you'll sit down you'll learn how to play it but i think really good ones you're just as impressed with learning how to play it because you're still like oh that's brilliant like the the way they did that so i think like when you learn a great trick you're almost more impressed by it instead of disappointed at how it's done and if that makes sense, it does. You're actually, like, oh, that's, that's exactly, so that's, that's genius. A, like the way they do that, you know, a hundred percent. And that's why magic is more popular than ever. And it's because all of the secrets are on the internet. Yeah. Like if you want to find out how any trick is done, then you basically can go on the internet and find it now. And everyone's like, no, that's terrible. And they want to like stop it and shut it down. Dude, um, you into Tommy wonder. You seen that guy? Yes. Tommy Wonder had, on YouTube. There's one of his lectures. Somebody filmed it in a camcorder before yeah. he died, and and everything he does, you're like, "Fuck me!" Like, yeah. <laughs> and people think that the secrets are important, and, it's, and that's what you find out when you watch these lectures. It's not. You're like, okay, so you have the method, great, but you have to say it this way to make the audience think this, and you have to move over here and a lot of it's about like blocking and delivery and right. subtext and then you realize that knowing the secret doesn't help you at all and that's when you start to really appreciate it you know yeah like it's literally being done right in front of you and right and but the misdirection is so good that you're like jesus like you brought up you brought up cups and balls and like yeah. they sneak the balls under the cups every time <laughs> yep. and and you know that it doesn't make you watch it less it makes you watch it more you're like he's doing it every time he's putting them in there when he's putting the cup down and you mm-hmm. can't see it. I'm I'm no stranger to the rings and things Black Friday emails. Um, I may have a uh... <laughs> deep cut, deep cut, deep cut, deep cut. I uh, <laughs> still still haven't pulled the trigger on it, but uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I'm, I've been checking out those Foxy threes. You know what I'm saying? Um, two people know what I'm talking about. So, know, well, well, Matt, we we. <laughs> We know your background now in comedy and in magic, but we, we like to ask our guests before we get into the stories what your science background is, if anything. And that has ranged from some classes you took at college or at school to blowing stuff up in the woods with your friends. Uh, I'd say probably my fa- most fascinating uh, background was first writing for Penn & Teller on a Discovery Channel show called Tell a Lie, where we had to present six science stories, and one of them had to be completely made up, but believable that the audience would guessing correctly at the end of the show we did for one season so so that's just like this podcast but with no guessing (laughs) and and we don't know we're lying right Uh, totally (laughs) inaccuracy Uh, is a form of lying yeah Yeah. but going to work for those guys they're very pro-science um this show happened right after doing eight seasons of bullshit on showtime so they're very much into research and, and and kind of like um presenting stuff you know truthfully and and they had like integrity and that kind of stuff and so um turning in ideas for stories or or writing for them you couldn't be cute with science with them at all they they wanted things by the number and in fact Penn and Teller had higher standards of science than Discovery Channel because we had like this big gigantic show bible of like 200 things that we could use for stories and Penn and Teller started like whittling them all down of like wait that's kind of bullshitty that's kind of a lie that's that's not really (laughs) you know it's not you're you're that's delivered with a wink and like 
you're not telling the truth there. And they killed story after story that we got to do one season of it because we just boiled all, through all the stories down to ones that Penn and Teller would approve of. Um, so uh, beyond that, just a, a you know went to you know high school and 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 college for a second and and liked science. That's yeah. Those guys are um, great standard bearers of of uh, fighting the good fight on the logic and reason front. One hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. And both equally passionate. I hear Teller talk all the time. Both equally passionate about it. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. How has he ever done anything public speaking or has it like how does he manage to avoid ever getting caught? Not that TMZ is probably chasing him down to try to trick him into talking. But you oh, know, no, his, again, voice is, this, his voice is on TV. It's like sometimes. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. OK. Yeah. It's, it's not a like, seek- yeah, he's, he's in Big Bang Theory as a recurring character. And oh. uh yeah, it's this weird thing of when they're in suits standing next to each other, he doesn't talk. Oh. And then everyone just gives him that full credit. But if you go on YouTube, he's done lectures and he's done Q&As. And the, the, there's like, an oh. episode of... Uh, I did. I also did not know he's on the Big Bang Theory uh, talking, but I guess probably 19 million people in America alone do. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, but I, there was a series that I watched years ago that was... Um, I can't remember what it's called, but they travel the world and they visit different magicians in different countries. And there is one episode where a guy... This is kind of the reverse of what you were talking about when they, when someone accidentally picks the card that's meant to be the wrong card. But there's mm-hmm. a magician who, uh, who does the wrong... Who does it wrong intentionally for Teller. He does, uh, he does the cup and ball trick, but um, the ball ends up in the, in the cup that it should be in if he hadn't done the move. So it's like a double. Ah. It's like a double bluff for the magician. Like he's watching it with the magician, with the magician's eye, and going like, "Okay, he stole the ball there, and he moved it into this cup." But he's playing the part of the regular audience members who just points at like, "It's in this one," and then the guy tips over the cup, and it is in that one. As, ah. Uh, and then it cuts to like, but the reason I'm telling you this is it cuts to then a little, like later in the hotel room, and Teller is just talking to into his own camera and just describing straight down the barrel exactly what the magician do, did and why he oh, loved yeah, it so yeah. much. And I that's him like, talking. What you, I, I, I think personally... People, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I I personally don't like Teller as someone that's had coins turned into goldfish before. In <laughs> uh, it's disgusting. It is gross. Um, yeah. And you can so blame cups him. And, he started Are cups it. and balls another another example of what used to just be in people's homes was it like before the invention of glass? No, I think it was. I think it was always a performance thing. Okay. I think, I think you would was, never just be like, "Do you happen to have three brass cups?" No, no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. It, I think it goes that way. <laughs> but that's be funny. Did most houses I mean, have I, like three just, different rings? Of just in case, I just have brass cups here. I'm basically like medieval times. If you come over my house, <laughs> nice. I just have all nice. these weird wagons and small yeah. cups. Um, I guess if you really want to hear Teller speak passionately, this, would you really in the suit? You, it's master class. They did a master class where he teaches a ton of magic, and you hear him talk, and he, it's it's pretty great. I did uh, take quite a bit of pleasure in their book, uh, playing with your food or how to yes. play with your food. How to play with your food? Yeah. When I was like 13 years old, that was a book that I was obsessed with for like a year. Yep. It yeah, wasn't I think all we all magic. we all were the, was... the trick where you have the little uh, carton of milk, like the little milk container creamer, from, creamer, yeah, yeah. creamer with yeah. the fork. Yep. Oh yeah, prick it with a fork and your eye bursts out. It's great. I've done it too many times into adulthood. Yeah. It's... Oh my gosh, I used to do it all the time when I needed so much attention as an acting major in college. <laughs> and um, uh, and one time I I went to squeeze the creamer and instead of it bursting in my hand, 
um, it just shot out one direct laser line, <laughs> like eight feet across the thing, and just doused this guy's like very nice suede coat. Ooh. Okay. And he just stared at me as I tried to like awkwardly wipe creamer off of his suede coat. <laughs> like, going, why would you do this? Why would you do this? Why would you do this to me? And I was like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And you're like, it wasn't really my eye. You're like, I know it wasn't your eye, you dickhead. You just ruined my coat. If your eye was filled with an opaque liquid, you wouldn't be able to see. <laughs> <laughs> are um uh Matt are there any um are there any famous like magic feuds are there oh, I don't we know. cover feuds a lot we've sure. had paleontologist feuds cuz like, like I I find niche feuds to be very Christopher Guest like very funny I'm like I'm like everyone in Chris Angel I don't know uh, Really <laughs> <laughs> Really is he is he a pariah in the magic yeah. community I don't in fact, it's gotten so common to make fun of Chris Angel that I, I won't do it now because not because I think he's a good person, but because everyone does it. And so I'm like, so he's oh, like he's stop. like the Nickelback of magic. One hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is wow. a fair okay. comparison. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, did you guys know <laughs> that? Uh, <laughs> Tell me we have a Nickelback science story, please. No, no, no. There's a famous uh, there's a famous feud going on. Um, uh, with something we've covered before, which is this invention of the blackest black, oh, this new paint. Yeah. And oh yeah, it's, and this paint has of course become very popular in the magic community because of black magic. Um, <laughs> I'm being serious. That's what they call it. Black it's art. Called, uh, black black art. art. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, black okay. art, and that's um, yeah, not black magic. That's like not a real thing. I guess neither is black art. Never mind. Wait, what but is the? It's, Oh, sorry, if you ahead. go see like uh, Shin Lim is a very famous magician now. He won America's Got Talent, American Got Talent Champions, and he makes cards disappear in his black mat, and like smoke comes out and stuff like that. And, like mm. that's a very common new phase. And as as magic gets more visual for like social media, like Instagram and TikTok and stuff, just things disappearing into black mats. Oh, then, I see. Okay, it's not the know, dark. Yeah. It's not the dark arts. It's not. Uh, no, 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 it's, it's not, not. It's not. not yeah, Severus Snape like won't teach you how to, <laughs> but but no, it's like very old school. Where like it's like a, I or at least started that way, as I understand it, with like a black curtain behind you, and you can make things appear and disappear yeah. because they're oh, okay. black. On what? Yeah. So this new super black paint has been in use, but um, uh, for decades, the idea that someone can own a color has been a contentious one. Um, Painter Yves Klein registered a trademark for a shade of ultramarine. I think that's Eve. Eve? That is that like is the, that is the Saint, French spelling of Eve for Eve the Saint male Laurent? French Eve. It's not Yves. It's not Yves. Like YSL, Eve Saint Laurent. Eve. That's it. Okay. So uh, I've been mispronouncing that. The whole, I mean, admittedly, I only read that name like once a decade. But I've, <laughs> so I've right. probably only mispronounced it twice in my life. But that's it, that happened to me with Chloe and Schlo. They're awful, those names. Yeah, Chloe and Schlow? I, I used to read it as someone's name was like Schlow Savigny. And then oh. I'd hear like Chloe Savigny. And I was like, oh, I wonder if she's related to Schlow. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> is that, are you, are you talking about Chloe Savigny? Yes. Yeah, how do we pronounce the last name? I don't even oh, know man. that part of it. This is like a mirror looking to a mirror. We just discovered <laughs> another name. Mm-hmm. I saw her on a date one time at an Indian restaurant and it was so fucking awkward. Um, I think it was like a bad date, you know? 
As long as it wasn't you it. making it awkward, that's good. No, no. <laughs> no. I was just also there. And I'm like, is that, that's Chloe Savigny over there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, is she not with Vincent Gallo? No, no, that's no, they were not. A, that's always a bad day. Yeah. 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 Um, so painter Eve Klein registered a trademark uh, for a shade of ultramarine called International Klein Blue in 1957. Tiffany & Co.'s signature blue is also protected. But uh, more recently, in 2016, sculptor Anish Kapoor purchased the artistic rights to Vanta Black, which we've covered. That's a material described as the darkest man-made substance. Uh, it's made of carbon nanotubes that reflect virtually no light. And it really is freaky if you look at it. It's freakishly, it's just a void. Um, but Kapoor's exclusive license of Vantablack proved controversial, sparking a years-long feud with Stuart Simple, a British artist who set out to liberate colors from private ownership. Having created several of his own coloriest colors, um, simple you, then made them available to everyone in the world. These are these we just are discovered lessons. the worst guy to talk to at a party. Where he's like, <laughs> I'm going to liberate the ownership of colors. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. I'm going to grab a beer. Oh uh, yeah, grab a beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, what, what, what color is that beer? Oh no! Oh, I can't get away from this guy. <laughs> I'm going to liberate my bladder. I'll see you, buddy. <laughs> uh, so this month. His studio launched Blink, which is touted as the blackest black ink, and it's priced at just 16 bucks a bottle. Um, that's the whole point of liberating the colors, he says. If we liberated them and then they were hideously expensive, it would defeat the whole object. He's also developed the uh, blackest black paint in the world to rival Vanta Black. Uh, Simple, who grew up making his own oil pastels because he couldn't afford art store prices, said that controlling who can use a certain color is sad. Um, I thought this would be more sciencey. I'm sorry, guys. It's just kind of depressing. It's really it's just, just it's a, more a, litigious a than anything yeah, else. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah, exactly. It's just a bit of drama. Um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it, there's a long-running dispute, though. One of Culture Hustle's best-known products is a powdered paint dubbed the world's pinkest pink. Um, although the product description admits that the studio is, quote, not actually sure. It's the, <laughs> it's the brightest pink ever. I mean, it's very easy to measure black. It's very, I, what yeah. are the measurements How for pink? Does it cut? Yeah. 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 Uh, so um, it was developed in, direct, um, developed in direct response Kapoor's Vantablack deal to Kapoor's Vantablack deal. The product came with a notice prohibiting the British Indian sculptor or anyone acting on his behalf from purchasing it. This move was itself an artwork, said Simple. Okay, Jesus Christ. It's turned into one of these things. I, man. <laughs> uh, I thought this would be more about Vanta thought, Black. and Yeah, but I also think about, like, aren't you kind of kicking a hornet's nest? Like, once smarter people want to make the blackest black, don't you think that's going to happen? Like, I feel like... I feel like not a lot of bigger science is committed to this idea. And now that this is becoming like a, a lawsuit thing, I feel like someone who's working at like Bell Labs, I'm like, oh, I'll do it. And like make yeah. something much, much more light absorbent or something. Or let it become a Bezos, Musk, Branson uh, pissing contest. And then. Yeah, yeah. And then the like. Train's going by, guys. Sorry. Will, will we all wear like Vanta Black turtlenecks and we all look around like we have floating hands and heads? <laughs> 
Yeah, Ooh, yeah, I kind of like, like that idea. Yeah, it's very meteorologist on Halloween vibe. Yeah, yeah. Like um, you you roll out the new Apple product, but like you're like a floating head. It's pretty great. <laughs> Here's something kind of sciency. Uh, this this so culture hustle, which is the that's the fe- that's the name of the company that's feuding with Blink Culture mm-hmm. Hustle. Um, their black 3.0 acrylic paint isn't technically darker than Vanta Black, which absorbs about 99.90, uh, 99.96% of visible light. Um, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, this creation, uh, the, the Black 3.0, absorbs somewhere between 98 and 99%. So while Vanta Black is a structural color made from lab-grown carbon nanotubes roughly one millionth of a millimeter in size... Um, this this black 3.0 is pigment based, but the effect is the same because like the naked eye can't tell that. Yeah, we can't tell there's a 98 variables. and 99 percent right light absorption. Yeah, but maybe you know if a monster is after you or whatever, then you know I'm just thinking you know if someone's trying to get you but has really good night vision, right? A bat, sure. And you've no, you've, you've a bat you've has no vision. Scratch that. I never said bat. <laughs> a bat has no vision? They use no, no, echolocation. Bats, bats right? can see. They just use also I don't know why they don't use their eyes more, but they can they can see. They do you guys they just don't you, feel like it? <laughs> just lazy you, just two lazy eyes, yeah. Hey Tommy, look. No, I'd rather scream. No, look. <laughs> no, I'd rather scream. I prefer <laughs> to scream. Do you guys think bats can recognize their reflection? You guys? Ooh, oh. I don't know. They passed the rouge test. Yes, well, <clears throat> Did you, did you guys know that um, there's been a huge news in the Rouge Test world? Uh-huh. Huge. Okay. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, big big stuff. Big stuff's happening. Um, and the reason this is related to magic is because it involves mirrors. The right. reflective arts. Oh. <laughs> um, the reflective arts. Yeah. That like every, that. every magic technique uh, is something and then arts. So, yes. um, yeah, it's the reflective arts. <laughs> um, <laughs> from black art to reflective art we're covering them all we're covering them all um guys david pavanelli everybody knows old uh, or daniel pavanelli <laughs> david pavanelli that's no. yeah, a totally different His guy. brother's a car dealer i know um daniel pavanelli he, he was in high school when he first read about a clever experiment published in 1970 that showed that chimpanzees but not monkeys can recognize themselves in mirrors so uh, he says, I bought into the story of mirrors and self-recognition, hook, line, and sinker, because it's a compelling story. All it took was a simple mirror, or so the story went, to reveal that our close chimpanzee relatives are self-aware, with the same kind of basic self-concept that humans have. Um, the idea that there are other creatures out there for whom we can only access their mental states, their self-consciousness, through the trick of a mirror, was somehow just deeply inviting. Um, so he's... Uh, He's now a scientist at the University of Louisiana at uh, Lafayette. He ended up devoting years of his life to studying mirrors and higher order consciousness. As a result, he now has a much different view on what animals may be doing as they study their own reflections. But says after half a century, the public seems stuck on the scientific tale that drew him in as a teenager. Um, So it really 
this it really pisses this guy off. He says, if I had a dollar for every time a reporter had called me over the last 30 years, wanting to do a story about mirrors and chimps and monkeys and whatever, I'd have a million dollars. Wait, isn't, doesn't the saying, don't you have to start do different denominations to make it even more? You don't say dollar and then dollar, right? I know. I, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I know. The point is still there, but it's just clumsy. Okay. I know. If this I had a nickel for every time someone messes up that saying. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not a wordsmith. Um, this, this, Pavanelli. Uh, so the, the famous <laughs> test that we all know about and grew up on um, was uh, dreamed up in the 60s by Gordon Gallup Jr. He's a scientist now at the State University of New York at Albany. Loved Rouge. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Back then, he was a grad student taking a course in psychology, and one of the class uh, assignments was to come up with an idea for an experiment. So he says, I found myself shaving in front of a mirror one day, thinking about what I might propose, and it occurred to me, as I was shaving there, wouldn't it be interesting to see if other creatures could recognize themselves in mirrors? While um, shaving? Or is this... They're not shaving. They're not okay. going to shave. So, um, the, hang on, just to be... So is the scientist shaving the animals for them? Matt, are you trying to transition into an ad? Because we can do it. <laughs> I mean, we've never done it mid-story, but we can do it. I, I mean, I, I wasn't, but I am now very aware that that is a perfect opportunity for really? us to talk about our new sponsor. It's just going to sit there like Chekhov's gone if we don't, guys. Yeah, I mean, it's if you're... You. Do any of I, you have unshaved monkeys looking at themselves in the mirror <laughs> thinking, I am not Christmas ready? I'm yeah, not... I mean, we're, we're, we're going to get back to this story. We'll but I have, monkeys shaving, I, have yes. noticed, I have noticed lately, this time of year... That, um, you know, you make the wreath, you put up the tree and all that. But the old the old undergrowth is a bit a bit out of hand. What, what are you suggesting, man? Well, I, I'm suggesting that the, the, the holidays have come here early at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand and our brand new sponsor. They have launched new products that, by the way, they, they sent us a bunch as as our sponsors tend to. And that was very kind of them. So we've given yep. them a go. We've got the all-new ultra-premium body wash and their uh, two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. I smell very nice right now. I I showered them minutes ago. My balls feel like petting a dolphin. (laughs) (laughs) This stuff works, you guys. You 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 got to get your hands on this. The, The product, not the balls. Well, well, Andy, you're you, you're a swimmer. You're no stranger to yeah, hair I removal mean, in certain scenarios. Usually, that the, the, the areas that are sort of focused, this brand focuses on are the only ones you don't have to shave for swimming. But maybe you want to anyway because it's 2021 and you could do whatever you want with any hair on your body. Yeah. So. And th- by the way, the the the, the lawnmower 4.0, which they gave us, which is their the fourth generation now of their 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 shaver. So that comes with, if you've got the 3.0, fuck that, throw that away. This one has Get way more storage and a better 3.0. camera. And, uh, <laughs> yep. And it, you know, it's 5G, whereas the old one was 4G. So really, you know. Got the built-in find my shaver feature. <laughs> it's got all that. But, but yeah, you know, you know, any part of your body you choose to reduce. I, I, listeners may not know this if they've never seen me, but I have a back that is positively Samprassian. It's true. Uh, you have some of the thickest back hair I've ever seen in my life. It is. I, um, you'd look at you'd look at my back. You, you've got the face of an angel and the back of a '70s wrestler is what I'm dealing with. <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very true. But now you have the tools to to calm that down a bit, if you'd like. I do. I do. I do. I, I, and also, I can get my nose hair under control. I was going to say, that was the first thing when I opened my box last night. I took that bad boy for a spin, and that thing is worth the price of admission alone. 
the, the weed whacker? No, the, uh, the is it, what's the ear and um, nose specializing one called? That is, that is that. That is called the weed That's whacker. That's the weed whacker. The weed whacker. Yeah, yeah, it's I, amazing. I've spent, um, I've probably purchased like four or five of those like sub $10 as seen on TV bullshit ones at like a CVS, yeah. you know? And if you actually put it up your nose, you're going to cut the inside of your nose. But this one, I tried. You cannot hurt yourself with it and it will get rid of all that hair. It was You can't. I mean, I'm going to say like you probably could if you really, really no, tried. I don't think you, you could. Like, you could hurt yourself with anything. The but they set up. Well, Andy, they you are... try to hurt yourself every winter and we need <laughs> yeah. to talk about it at some point. Yeah. But, but they are all, yeah, they are very well designed to, to reduce nicks and cuts. And then they're waterproof as well, so you can use them in the shower. They're great products, but here's my problem, guys, is I love our listeners. Our listeners are great, and despite the fact that these make the perfect gift for basically anyone on your list this holiday season, I don't want our listeners paying full price. I can't get on board with Jesse, this. What? Jesse, you're what in luck. What are you talking about? Because not what? only have they hooked us up with some of their products, they have hooked our listeners up with a special offer, an offer code just for our listeners and probably for other listeners of other shows, but use our code because we want them to stay being our sponsor and we want you to ex- you, to experience them via us, via the joy of us. But if you go to manscaped.com and use code PROBABLY, that is manscaped.com and the code PROBABLY, you will get 20% off and free shipping. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we want a groomed fan base, you know? We do. I've never said this publicly on the show before, but I've always found the pubes of our fans to be well, a bit out of control. Well, I, I, want, I, want our fan ba- I want our fan base, our listenership, to have whatever amount of body hair they so choose. We, and, yep, and now they have absolutely. full control over that if they were to go to manscaped.com and use code PROBABLY. That's 20% off and free shipping. Go get on it. Get on it. Matt Donnelly, what's your take on all this uh, man splitting the manscaping? Uh, I'm hoping that like uh, my taint will become the pinkest pink. Vanta <laughs> <laughs> taint, yeah. You, you know what's weird? You, you exfoliated never... as well on national TV to an extent. I, I won't <laughs> exactly. I won't go yeah, into yeah, details yeah. to spoil it, but there's definitely yeah. some I can accidental just... slash intentional hair removal at some point in your act. I can vouch that this product works better than duct tape. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like, uh, do you ever like learn something new and it blows your mind? It took so long to learn it, you know? Yeah. Um, much like pronouncing Chloe Savigny <laughs> is I, uh, I didn't know until like a week ago why the taint was even called the taint, you know? <laughs> and, and it's like, oh, that's hilarious. Um, I love it. <laughs> do you never saw the, the Mr. Show sketch that was a parody of Boogie Nights? No. That no. was a taint magazine. And, no. and then there were knockoffs called Twasn't and Twerent. <laughs> yeah like i didn't know i didn't know it was just like a shitty pun i thought it was like just a medical like doctors are like oh yes we have an issue with the taint um yes yeah, it, like, it, it was a parody of people versus larry flint and boogie nights kind of anyway sorry man man well um if you want to check out your taint you're gonna need a mirror yeah and there you go back in right, back, back in, in. flawless primate, yeah. i am pro- i'm not just on this podcast i'm learning you know yeah. what i mean yeah, no, we've all squatted over a mirror in our day, check stuff out. And um, so has uh, so has Gordon Gallup Jr. And sometimes he's shaving, not as well as we do, because we have Manscaped products. It's 20% off at manscaped.com, off code probably. But he shaves. And he's standing there shaving in the mirror. Um, and he realized that he could test an animal by secretly marking its face with some sort of non-irritating red dye to see if it could use the mirror to then access and investigate the strange red marks. No such test had been done before. 
um, even though people long observed animals interacting with mirrors. Most species tend to treat a mirror image as a stranger to be courted or attacked, says Gallup, who notes that parakeets will literally interact with themselves in mirrors as though they're seeing another parakeet for the, um, as though they're seeing another parakeet for their entire lives. Some scientists suspected that primates, however, might do better. Even Charles Darwin once noted, fascinated, as a captive orangutan named Jenny made faces at a mirror. Um, so when Gallup was able to actually start doing these experiments with chimps, a few years later he came up with this test, um, a few years after he came up with the test, rather, he found that the chimps initially acted as if the mirror image were another animal. But then after a couple of days, their attitude shifted. The chimps began using the mirror to examine parts of their bodies, like their teeth or genitals. Nice. When Gal- yeah. Both are worth when a Ga- good inspection. Yeah. No, they absolutely, they absolutely are. They deserve, um, they deserve equal care. And now you can have that equal care, everybody. That's manscaped. Um, <laughs> when, uh, when Gallup anesthetized them and put red dye in their faces, the chimps later woke up and reacted to the unexpected mirror image as if they understood that the marks were on their own faces. So what they did was to reach up and touch, examine the marks on their faces that can only be seen in the mirror. So news of this caused a huge sensation. This guy gets super famous. This becomes the, the mantra, right, of self-recognition experiments. So over the decades, uh, researchers have tried this with a slew of other animals, including magpies to ants to manta rays. I don't know how you put a tiny red dot on an ant. That's a nightmare of a job. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, in, you like you know, you've you've got the little paintbrush, you've got the magnifying glass. You start looking, and then oh no, it's happened again. I know, I know, yes, but, but if you're going to buy buy some red ink, buy the reddest red. That's Blink, everybody. That's <laughs> Blink Acrylics. Offer code probably zero percent off. Um, <laughs> so, in Gallup's view, only three species have cons- have consistently and convincingly demonstrated mirror self recognition. That's chimpanzees, orangutans, and humans. Right. Others, though, think the list is longer. So here's where shit gets weird. All right. Okay. More feuds. Uh, Diana Rice, she's a cognitive psychologist uh, and marine mammal scientist, has tested both dolphins and elephants and believes they both show signs of recognizing themselves in the mirror. Um, In one experiment, her team made marks on dolphin bodies. The animals could feel the marks being made but could not see them. And the idea was, would they race to the mirror afterward? and orient themselves to the place where they'd been marked. Um, it, like, could they could they use the mirror to as a tool to look at their own bodies? And that's exactly what they did. Um, she notes that when animals typically move through a series of distinct behavioral stages when they first uh, encounter a mirror, a mirror, initially, they may think the image is another animal. Sure, they'll examine it by looking behind it or under it. And after that, some animals start to test the mirror by doing repetitive and unusual behaviors. And for her, that's where the light bulb went off. If animals realize that their body movements are linked to the movements in the mirror, they can then potentially move on to self-directed behavior, meaning they can start to use the mirror as a tool to examine themselves. The last stage is the evidence that we're showing um, that they're showing mirror self uh, self-recognition, she says. I never thought Gallus- about that other step. I understand the recognition thing, but the idea that all of a sudden it can click for the animal to use it as a tool afterward, I never thought of at all. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so her idea is that some animals may not, uh, for, for the talking about the, the rouge test, right? Um, her, her idea is that some animals just don't give a shit about the mark. <laughs> 
Oh, right. Like they, they can recognize themselves, but they don't care enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not so vain. Like, they have no. Just like, right. Like they know what's going on. They're just like, ooh, I don't give a fuck. So like. You can't mark um, my heart. I'm moving on. <laughs> yeah. So, so like um, elephants probably, for instance, worry less about body cleanliness than primates. Mm-hmm. They'll bathe in mud. They don't generally groom with their trunks. So when an elephant sees a random mark on its head, couldn't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, so an octopus is already too busy planning like some jewel heist or something. They don't care whether you mark yeah. them or not. Um, they're, on the other hand, yeah, they're too busy uh, getting tenure at whatever their latest <laughs> scholarly institution is. And, my, so yeah. By the way, my money's totally on octopus passing the Rouge test. I'm. Yeah. That's my. That's my. Oh yeah, that pony. hundred percent. Um. So, uh, so Gallup worries that without a clear-cut experimental test, it's too easy for researchers to see whatever it is they want as they film an animal interacting with a mirror. He says the problem with many of these videotapes, not only of dolphins, but a variety of other animals in front of mirrors, is that videotapes are kind of like Rorschach tests. So this guy, he's firing back. He's saying, fuck you. My test is the only mirror test, you know? Oh. Um, he's like, no, I made the darkest dark. You can't. You can't. Exactly. Get Exactly. Um, man, it's a long article. Sorry, guys. I, I, I really suck at picking the... You know what I mean? Um, I kind of... Yeah. I think it's uh, literally the transcript of a radio show that's been on NPR. So we, we Yeah, and it says 11-minute listen, so I don't know what's wrong with me. Because they can probably also like read and stuff. Hey, guys. Uh, what's that, buddy? I, I'm going to have to leave the two of you to uh, finish off the episode with Matt. Because... Um, there appears to be a gas leak in our building, and we've just been told to evacuate. So, oh no! What? Uh, I'm gonna Jesse, stay alive. Jesse I'm gonna just, get outside. Uh, before Jesse the place just has explodes. to finish the article before you can leave. You go yeah. ahead, Jesse. Yeah, but, uh, I'll, I'll leave it now. with you guys. But once again, uh, for the gift for the man or, or woman or non-binary person in your life who needs hair removal for out, Christmas, passing out while he's doing the end. <laughs> that's Manscaped.com/slash. Code probably. Uh, His last words were a manscape app. That is a company yep. man right there. That's commitment. All right. Yeah. yeah, go smoke a cigarette and then evacuate. Oof. <laughs> be careful. Do be careful, as my grandma would say. Yep. Okay. Oh, Bye, man. Wow. That's, that's uh, a scary thing. That's a first. Man, I have heard that guy make up excuses before, but <laughs> good God. That's unreal. I, I'm you putting guys. that one in the back pocket for future use. That could definitely come in handy at some point. Gas leak. Who's gas ever going to argue with gas leak? No one's going to argue Especially in the, the work from leak. home day. Well, I guess now it would be like you're going on your own assumption of a smell when you're working from home. But if someone else in your building says so, you're like, well, I'm powerless in this situation. I got to go. Yeah. You got to listen to that person. Yeah. Uh, sorry, we, um, mirrors. Yes, the rouge test. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically they're trying to update this where um, with this, I mean, I, I don't know why this had to be an 11 minute story, but they're trying to add a component. Um, well, I guess what's strange is that you, you know, the whole, the whole preaching of science, the ideals of science are that, you know, uh, you know, that I, you put out the evidence that can to be proven or disproven, right? And yep. so suddenly, some, suddenly treating their experiment like turf is weird. Because you're like, aren't we supposed to put your evidence to the test and add to the roost chest and keep, right. continue learning? And this right, guy's like, yeah. no, I did it. Move along. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, people still have enormous egos 
you know, once yeah. they get published and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it sucks. N- but. Not to get into like meta science, but uh, that's that's been like a super frustrating thing to hear for the last year and a half. Whenever people use the word science as as a you know a a, a cudgel or something, just to right. win an argument, it's like, well, it's not. Everyone's kind of using it. Almost everyone's using it wrong. It's not a thing you can sort of sure. believe. It's not a yeah. fixed thing. It's a process, and people can right. use a process that is a process can be good and it can be used by people who are either inept or have biases doesn't mean the process is bad but sometimes things can happen that aren't ideal because of the inherent flaws of all humans and totally <laughs> still the only tool it's the only tool we have to figure out how the world around us works but it doesn't mean things are ever set and anyway it's a bigger point than just this mirror study no <laughs> i completely agree with you three also, species I mean- three species only move along <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and also the one of the annoying things is the uh, the last year and a half is the. In, I mean, we've talked about this: the incredible hypocrisy of people that blanketly say science stuff. Like, um, I, I guess I guess what I mean is like making it fit in. People are picking like you can't cherry pick it, right? And but people do. I, there are people that will, you know believe the science and post a picture of Fauci and stuff. And that's great. That's great. But then their next tweet is about astrology. Yeah. All and right. about Mercury being in retrograde. And oh my God, I'm, I'm so, I, I'm, I bet I'm going to go through a breakup soon because Mercury's in ret- And it's like, but also, what the fuck are you talking but they about? Follow the same, they follow the same cult of, of bullshittery. If they're saying, believe the science, and I know you're just making up an example, but like that doesn't mean there is one person who is now science and like whatever he says is now science. Because right. And it's, it's not static. Yeah. It's yeah. not, it's not like a frozen this is it, right. you know? This, I mean, the science in Omicron was different two days ago. Is it true that you Biden know? called it Omicron right. in, a, in a press? Uh, in a, um, oh, I don't know. Oh, man. Another train going by. It's a cooler <laughs> name for it, though. I Also, as soon as it got changed, because like the day, was it Thanksgiving or the day after when the news came out and it was going to be the new as an NU, and then suddenly uh, it says Omicron, and listen, I'm not proud of it, but I was in a fraternity, so I you know, I have the Greek alphabet memorized. I was like, wait, what happened to, and then I was like, wait, did they skip new because it sounds like the word N-E-W, and did they skip Xi because it's spelled like the Chinese president, and then that story, a year or two later, that exact story came out. They skipped two letters because people were going to be too unable to grasp the oh Greek letters gosh. new and Zai. Uh, and I'm like, well, why did you even ever decide on the Greek alphabet? If you should have known going in, two of them weren't even going to be options to use. Yeah. Pick some other thing. Pick, you know, Roy G. Biv or you know, something else that's right. a right. pattern. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a bummer, too, because now, I mean, we're at, of course, Omnicron Metal after New Metal. And <laughs> the genres are just, I mean, they didn't even skip it. Right. You know, and if, and if bands such as Korn and Slipknot have the you know, <laughs> oh. wherewithal to not do if they have enough faith in the public. <laughs> yeah. Why can't the scientist, man? That's right. Um, also, I th- no, I, there's not even yeah. agreement on how to pronounce that word. So I'm like, how did you guys settle on that being the easy, easy one? I'm hearing people say it all kinds of different ways. Really? It's how om- are you supposed it's to Omicron, say? right? Right. Yeah. I, I think, think so. some people are saying Omicron. I think Biden might oh. have said Omnicron. Isn't that the uh, name of the company that in RoboCop, or am I misremembering? Omnicorp, is that? That's um, something like that. That was a tricky question. Man, <laughs> what a fucking great movie. Yeah. I gotta, I, man, I got to watch that again. And it's funny, too, because all of our news now um, is the parody dystopia news in RoboCop. Totally. 
Like, yeah. you know, the, I'd buy that for a dollar. Like, every show is literally <laughs> just like, Love Island. Like, you pick a briefcase and win a billion dollars on a fucking game show. And then <laughs> it's just like a mass, like mass shootings at school and stuff. And I just, every time I watch the news, I'm like, we're in RoboCop. Yeah. This is, this is RoboCop TV. And is that the All same the- director as Starship? Is Paul Verhoeven is the guy who did um, Starship Troopers also? Or not? Right, which is also had that Very that similar news, to what... News item to it, yeah. <laughs> The, like yeah. jingoism of humanity and let me see what he total recall robocop basic instinct starship troopers showgirls what a career what a career <laughs> oh man he did he did showgirls too swings oh, yeah. hollow man Big swings yeah i think actually wow. I, oh now i remember hearing a story about hollow man i think elizabeth shu worked on that and said he's also a creep so uh. oh now you've done it but the um, director of showgirls is a creep <laughs> <laughs> what what? Do you guys remember the man? I like. I think Showgirls is like great, but it's I've, amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. But I mean, I remember watching it, uh, like you know, before I had any business watching it. Right. And it it made me extremely nervous about ever having sex in a pool. I was like, <laughs> As I it can't should. do that. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I'll die of something probably. <laughs> it can't do that. That's insane, you know, because um, of her insane fake pool orgasm. Remember that? Yeah. Yes. It's crazy. That- I'm just confusing it with like species because it seems like she's about to have an alien come out of her spine or something. Yeah. It is weird. Yeah. And it definitely ruined people's idea of sex for anyone who watched it too young, for sure. But you should watch yeah. it with the commentary that the guy from The Seattle Stranger did that eventually became, he would tour with it. And I saw him do it live and it's amazing. It was so good that the, the producers of the movie finally caved and made that one of the tracks on the DVD is this oh, guy awesome. making fun of their movie. Because he makes it so much better because he points out all these... He'll like be like, okay, pause it right now. What about, what's about to come up? You're going to see a confluence of things you're not going to believe. You want to make sure you're ready for all three of them. Like, it's... <laughs> like, that scene when she's just angry at her french fries is the most bizarre... Uh, it's, it's, it's worth watching the movie just to see it with that commentary on. I love it. Oh, yeah. I it. Yeah, I got to do it. I got to watch that. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm sorry, guys. I'm I'm clicking through the other. I mean, I didn't realize how much Matt held the show together. Uh, <laughs> I thought you know? he had another pigeon-based. Um... Well, so here's the thing: is I I I clicked on. It's a bullshit story. I mean, it's not bullshit, oh, okay. but it's like it doesn't really have anything to do with uh, with pigeons. Um, well, I can. I I had a question about the choice of animals, and maybe this is science adjacent. But Matt, there like, we go. How? Why is it rabbits and is it doves or pigeons? Like, is there a reason these species are the go-to magic trick species? Do you know? Oh, interesting question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so pigeons are, uh, white pigeons or, you know, doves or whatever are, are both um, affordable <laughs> and uh, obedient, right? Uh-huh. Like there's, there's like moves you do with your hands and stuff to keep, to pull a dove forth or whatever. And when it, when you, when it comes up, you want it to stay on your finger, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to like take off and fly away. So, uh, those, those animals just, just do that behavior where you put them. more likely yeah. uh, for a rabbit. It's something that we, we, it's, it's, I imagine, I don't know the history of it, but I imagine just one of the things that it just looks bigger than it is right like it a sponge ball compacted down yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you see like a sponge ball is like a, a nice like permanent object for people but very it can fit in a lot of places and so i think a rabbit's probably just about its fur making it look so puffy and big and impossible 
Um, you know, if, the the cliche of a rabbit coming out of a hat. You you basically want the rabbit to feel like it's too big for the hat. It couldn't possibly have been in there. Yeah. I did watch some. I was doing some research for this thing that I. I guess I can't. And talk tigers about. are just for crazy people. I just <laughs> right. want to make sure I get that out there. Sure. I mean, I feel like before they picked the correct animals, like a lot of like porcupines were experimented with. <laughs> you know, several magicians died in the Victorian era for picking the wrong. You know, and, and it's a cobra. And that's like, <laughs> it. It's really it's it's the animals you haven't seen in the magic stage. That's the ones you which watch out for. Yeah. There's a reason. But I was going to ask. I, I I think I know how the rabbit in the hat trick work trick works because I was I was watching um, someone has clipped out onto YouTube most of this show that was on Fox like twenty years ago, where this masked magician, the masked like, magician, the, the yeah, magician, yeah, yeah. the other magicians don't want you to know about, and he's yeah, going to yeah, reveal totally. all the secrets. Yeah, and, and then at the end of it, they reveal him, and it's like a person as if you're supposed to know. And like Jesse was saying, like there's not that many really famous magicians, so you you're just watching like okay, I guess it's that guy. Um, but was there actually a like blowback from that? Did people actually care that he was doing it's, this? It's a tough call. I mostly it is manufactured hype for the show itself. Right. Um, and he was doing tricks that not a lot of people were doing at the time. You know, the only people who get angry if you're if you're actually performing it and making a living off of it. Yeah, yeah. If you just know it or perform it casually, you're not going to get that irate about it. Especially since most people learn magic from other people in the first place anyway. I yeah. think it was really just the guy doing old tricks on tv classic and pretending like he was gonna piss off a bunch of people yeah right speaking of that how i wanted to ask about like the writing process as it were for magic but it feels like in comedy you can do that and maybe you can't even do it in magic but do you actually create things whole cloth or are you like i like the mechanic of this what if i put this like face on it or something oh i guess like every answer you can imagine is true for different tricks right like it, it all comes about differently um but yeah i think like i'm, I'm you know I, I consult for penn and teller who come up with a bunch of tricks every year and a lot of times there is either um an old method or a method of something but they no one's done like a um no one's put in a totally different context right. you know or something like that and so they'll they'll do that or whatever um like they did a thing with like a donut through a ribbon uh, on Fool Us. Um, then they did it with like a rope and a tire. And to make it graduate from one to the other, you're supposed to believe that Teller ate a tire uh, underneath a, a big <laughs> tablecloth. Um, so it's this big comedy routine based on like an old trick. That kind of stuff happens oh, all the time. okay. Yeah. But when you've created mm. yours, has it, how, how, how does one, I guess with whatever you're allowed to tell us, uh, Oh, I'll say that, like, I really just, you know, uh, saw, like, a lane of comedy, right? So I kind of take, like, I started off with taking the most, like, intense mentalist effects, you know? And I, as a mind noodle, I dress, minds. Yeah, yeah, I dress in overalls and everything else. And so I wanted to go on stage and people assume I was, I want to start off as the, the, the dumbest guy in the room and then kind of graduate to, like, knowing, knowing things, you know? Mm -hmm. So I started off with a lot of mentalism and uh, kind of making fun of that, but... But if you make fun of it, it's to the point where like not that many people, um, no one outside of magic draws a distinction between mentalism and magic. So writing that line was a, it was like the guy trying to sue for, for no one should own colors. It's like no one cares about that cause. <laughs> and so my well, comedy wasn't as strong. And so I basically tried to more look at like Amazing Jonathan or people along those lines where I was trying to look at like, what's just a really funny way to do magic. And yeah not try to make a commentary on magic in any way. Well, this, so this brings up an interesting point of 
because uh, I've always wondered this, uh, I guess, within the magic community is when is magic considered magic? When does something change from a feat to an yeah. illusion? Right. Like, like, like if I like, you know, if I'm at a bar and I'm like, uh, hey, check this out. And I take a bite out of a quarter. It's like just because I like bought it, bought the gimmick and brought it with me. Yeah. But if I say, can I borrow a quarter? And then there's some sleight of hand, and then I use the gimmick. Then I think that, then it becomes a an illusion. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I, I just the question is that? a lot. The question comes up a lot. Where you you will perform something and go like, wait, is that magic? You know, like um, right, like uh, Penn and Teller put out like a, a VR game, you know, and there's a card trick in it, and there's a lot of debate about like where where was the magic on this, you know, happening. Um, and it really comes from, you know, the audience really kind of experiencing something impossible that strikes them, you know, and right. I think, and I think that word, especially now in practical times and the style of magic that a lot of people perform, including myself, is you're looking for impossible more than like, um, flights of fancy or something like that. Illusions and floating things and that and transforming things, you know, that is, um, there is an area of that for sure. And that's also like often the largest audiences right like the big you know you especially if you don't have to speak a language you know you can just show things you, then you can perform all over the world for big crowds um right. so that's like its own pursuit um and an expensive one at that um but i think the more you're more like common like working magicians are really looking for like moments of impossibility or implausibility well so i've i've always related to that magic more of things being impossible instead of just like really hard yeah, I mean, that's the idea of like... You know what I mean? Like escaping from a straitjacket or whatever. It's like, that's not magic to me. Oh, I love... Well, yeah, I always say there's three rules to escapes. You have to either mention Houdini, uh, talk about it as if it's already happening. Uh, otherwise, the audience, your audience doesn't say, sure, I'll be complicit to this. So it has to already begin. So you can like, look up. There you'll see a stainless steel axe hanging... By, you know, it's like, you're already... You're, you're there and it's already happening. It's got to be stainless. Yeah. Or I'm fucking out of there. Yeah, if there's a stain on that axe, this is, this is bullshit. And then, uh, is it clangy? You bet it's clangy. Bang! Um, and then... Uh, uh, and the other is you have to be enough, not total, enough of an asshole that we kind of want you to do it. That, like, you just have to have a smidgen of arrogance or something that the audience goes like, yeah, go for it. Drop that axe on you. Oh, like the uh, oh, yeah. So get, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So either Houdini has to do it before, and you have to do it again to pay tribute to him, or it's already right. started, or you're kind of an asshole. You have to do at least it's, one of those things. I, I love it, the idea that it's already started is, is a selling point because the implication is that like if you ask the audience, they they would walk out of the room before you. Like, yeah, yeah. What if I did this next? And they're like, hey, all right, honey, we got to go. This. I think thinking, I'm thinking about hanging an axe above me, and if I don't do this in time, like two minutes, we'll say two minutes, it'll drop and cut my head off. I think a hilarious trick would be uh, you're on stage, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you go, um, I will now pay tribute to Harry Houdini by repeating a Houdini, uh, by re repeating one of Houdini's famous illusions. Mm -hmm. And then um, a guy punches you in the stomach and <laughs> you, you die. die. <laughs> <laughs> you just die on stage. And then, and <laughs> what a, I mean, he went out like Houdini. What a tribute. Put what a tribute! Guy, put him in all I, the halls last night. Of fame. I saw the best Houdini tribute. This guy yeah. fucking died poor, getting punched in the stomach. Um, <laughs> the, prestige, the prestige was acute peritonitis, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! You guys, speaking of things that can happen in your stomach, uh, 
I don't yeah. know if this is actually something that could happen to whatever. I got one more story for us, and I, I'm, let's do I didn't it. Uh, let's do it. Didn't find a good in besides. Uh, I guess it could, this sounds like something out of a Paul Verhaven film. The world's first living robots can now reproduce. Scientists say. What? Yeah. Yes, the U.S. scientists yep, who created the robots. <laughs> the robots are banging. The U.S. scientists who created the first living robots say the life forms known as xenobots can now reproduce and in a way not seen in plants and animals. Formed from the stem cells of the African clawed frog, Xenopus lavis. Lavis! Uh, from which it takes its name. <laughs> Xenobots are less than a millimeter wide. The tiny blobs were first unveiled in 2020 after experiments showed that they could move, work together in groups, and self-heal. Now the scientists that developed them at the University of Vermont, Tufts University, and Harvard University's Weiss or Wiss Institute for Biologically Inspired Engineering. Biologically Inspired Engineering. Wow. wow. It's not bioengineering. Uh, they said they have discovered an entirely new form of biological reproduction different from any plant or animal known to science. Uh, well, it was just, nice knowing you guys. I know, right? Yeah, man. Uh, the co-author, co-lead author of the research, Michael Levin, said, I was astounded by it. Frogs have a way of reproducing that they normally use, but when you liberate the cells from the rest of the embryo and you give them a chance to figure out how to be in a new environment, not only do they figure out a new way to move, but they also figure out apparently a new way to reproduce. That <laughs> is fascinating. This, this little um, video that's playing in the middle of the article? Uh, no, let me, let me give it a... The C-shaped parent xenobots collect and compress loose stem cells together into piles, which can mature into offspring. This that is, is like, fascinating. I don't, this video looks like uh, fake. It looks like something out of the Peter Gabriel uh, sledgehammer video. It looks very stop motion-y. Um, robot or organism. Stem cells are unspecialized cells that have the ability to develop into different cell types to make the xenobots, uh, or is it xenobots, whichever one. The researchers well, scraped. Yeah, let's go with Xenobots because it's just a scarier into the world yeah, name. Totally. Jesus Xenobots. Christ. The researchers scraped living stem cells from frog embryos and left them to incubate. Uh, there is no manipulation of genes involved. Most people think of robots as made of metals and ceramics, but it's not so much what a robot is made from, but what it does, which is act on its own on behalf of people, said Josh Bongard, a computer science professor and robotics expert at the University of Vermont and lead author of the study. In that way, it's a robot, but it's also clearly an organism made from genetically unmodified frog cell. Okay, well, okay. well then this, this is less satisfying. Uh, Bongard said they, follow, they found that the xenobots, which were initially sphere-shaped and made from around 3,000 cells, could replicate, but it happened rarely and only in specific circumstances. The xenobots- After a, co- after a bottle of wine or something. Right, right. <laughs> the xenobots use kinetic replication, a process that is known to occur at the molecular level, but has never been observed before at the scale of whole cells or organisms. With the help of artificial intelligence, the researchers then tested uh, billions of body shapes to make the xenobots more effective at this type of replication. The supercomputer came up with a C-shape that resembled Pac-Man. <laughs> they found it was able to find tiny stem cells in a Petri dish, gather hundreds of them in its mouth, and a few days later, the bundle of cells became new xenobots. That mm. is crazy fascinating. Like, like if we took out like a, like a, like my kidney and put it somewhere else, and all of a sudden it was like, wait, I can be my own thing, and just start <laughs> just start doing its own thing. That'd be kind of crazy. It's. Yeah, it's it's very fascinating. I'm still. I don't know if it's a robot though. I, yeah, yeah. It's by this by this definition of robot, which is just what something uh, that autonomous that works. There's on only one way to find out. It, it should enter into BattleBots on TV. Thank you. And see if they yeah. Accept it. Uh, so the AI didn't program the machines in the way we usually think about writing code. It shaped and sculpted and came up, came up with that Pac-Man shape. 
The shape is, in essence, the program. The shape influences how the xenobots behave to amplify this incredibly surprising process. And um, they're very early technology. Think of like a 1940s computer and don't yet have any practical applications. However, this com combination of molecular biology and artificial intelligence could potentially be used in a host of tasks in the body and the environment, according to the researchers. This may include mm -hmm. things like collecting microplastics in the ocean. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, inspecting root systems and regenerative medicine. Also, yep, that's exactly how it'll be used. Only those things. <laughs> oh. I mean, I could see those being things that are worth putting tons of money into. I... Sure. I mean, we'll skip down to two paragraphs down. Okay. The research was partially funded by the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA. A federal... The dudes who made the the, the robot dog you can't kick over. <laughs> a federal agency that oversees the development of technology for military use. Yep. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Boston Dynamics that made the robot dogs. Yeah, they made those. Yeah, but uh, yeah, DARPA, famous for collecting microplastics. <laughs> but also, didn't DARPA <laughs> give us the internet? That was Al Gore, buddy. Okay. That's yeah. Right. Al Gore and only Al Gore. Um, did DARPA give us the... I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah I, know, I think I mean, that was And was it was Al Gore or was it a like bunch a... of nanobots, xenobots, and an Al Gore suit? Why would they name it the xenobot as if that's going to get people on board? Yeah. Yeah, so in 1973, DARPA initiated a research program to investigate techniques and technologies for interlinking packet networks of various kinds. Yeah, DARPA did basically bring us the internet. Okay. Either way, uh, that's also ruining the world, so your argument still stands. Sure. <laughs> but at least then, well, I, maybe at the time, though, I mean, we're so used to it, but I'm sure at the time, the internet sounded very dystopian. Like, just the word. No, oh, I, I remember seeing articles about it in the late 80s, uh, but it sounded very cool. Information superhighway. It was it was definitely uh but but like the internet i don't know to me that has a xenobot vibe where eventually you'll just be like oh yeah i bought a packet of xenos today you know like it's not <laughs> a big deal but right now right now it's too similar to like xenomorph or, or you know just sounds evil yeah at the moment. lord xenu that kind of stuff sure yeah i don't know i mean i guess i guess this is um i things like this are always weird to me because it's like they're completely inevitable. Like, this is obviously inevitable. I just hope the people doing it, uh, you know, are uh, somewhat ethical. Right. Well, uh, uh, to imply that anything like this would only be used for bad... There are things that we could do that are awful that we restrain ourselves from. Like, the, you know, there are biological and chemical weapons that we yes. could be using right now that are horrendous apocalyptic like i know well, how to don't i know how to make so. a, a gas leak happen across the continent so <laughs> right. yeah that. you've done it that is next level magic yeah. um yeah but i mean that get, that starts getting into like mutually assured destruction and all that which we would shit. also have if this world of like uh are you imagine these or i mean i guess the scarier thing would be like um is it gray matter the thought experiment about an ai that's or like the paperclip um thought experiment like if uh, you if you created some you know perfectly efficient ai to make paper clips um but just you know you, you didn't program it with any malice but you just forgot to say like oh also don't make the entire universe into pa like if, if it made every atom of the universe into paper clips that's like the most apocalyptic holocaustic nightmare ever but it's like oh i'm just i'm making paper clips and guess what the atoms and you become paper clips Something like that, where it's right. just like sure. misaligned, um, um, just like whatever the word well, is like, for it. You know, the, the the answer definitely is one doesn't rule out the other, right? I think I think you're. It's going to be both. We're going to be yeah. We're going to be using it in warfare. 
and we're going to be using it to get plastic out of the ocean. Right. It's yeah. like, well, it's like nu- nuclear energy or any, yeah. anything is both, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, you know, I, I think this is, an, like I said, a, inevitable, completely inevitable. I, for I just, one, welcome know. our new <laughs> robot overlords. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do, too. Um, Matt Donnelly, the mind noodler. Yes. Um, obviously, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're have a residency soon at the magic castle mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, where can our listeners find you? Where can they find out more about your mind noodling? Uh, they can go to the mind noodler.com or follow me at mind noodler on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, I'll be in, uh, Florida, LA, Chicago, Indiana, Erie, PA, and, a lot of stops. Coming whoa. Up. And what about other podcast stuff? What else are you doing? You work with some some folks? I do, yeah. So I, I co-host Penn Gillette's podcast, Penn Sunday School, and then the offshoot, one with me and my improv comedy partner, Matt and Mattingly's Ice Cream Social. We do two episodes a week there. Um, comedy nonsense for your ears. Comedy dessert for your ears. Um, and uh, and then if you want like a top secret magic podcast, I do one of those as well. Abracababble. Abracababble, I love it. Yeah. Abracababble. So, what do you mean? It's a top secret. Well, if you search for it on the on your on your apps, you won't find it. Wait, how do, how, why are you advertising it to people? Because <laughs> uh, if you go, if you look for abracababble.com, it takes you to the Patreon page that gives you the RSS feed for two bucks. Oh, oh, I oh, see. Okay. So it's an insider. It's 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 like real backstage magic. Talk. Yeah, because uh, like I said, I learned magic from Penn and Teller, and they don't like talking magic like like magic like hobbyist magicians do you know I, and yeah totally. I, I started magic late in life and i just kind of started documenting my 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 burgeoning career and so i wanted a podcast cool. where i could like kind of not give away secrets but just talk openly i just like to talk about yeah. performance and what goes right and what goes wrong and some of that involves discussing a gimmick or a prop or right. whatever and i, I don't oh, want man. to this is such a perfect i know you're not trying to like like manipulate our audience or us, but I'm gonna go pay the two bucks a month. Now I gotta. I mean, what a perfect tease! <laughs> I guess the full tease. I also give behind the scenes of all the episodes of Fool Us, and we go through the performances and stuff. Oh, cool! Yeah. That's, oh, that's abracababble.com gets mm-hmm. you to that to that Patreon feed that you can't find. It's, yeah. the, it's the podcast magicians don't want you to know about. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For two bucks a month, yeah. try the podcast. Magicians that, that don't want you to know. insurmountable $2 paywall that keeps me yeah. from being uh, ostracized in the magic community. Wow. Well, thank wow. you so, so much. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, Without Matt here, we're lost. We're adrift. We're, <laughs> we're rudderless. Yeah, Matt's passed out somewhere. <laughs> um... No, uh, I mean, I was wondering about that. The sort of, you know, obviously made fun of on like Arrested Development. Yes. Is there ostrich? I mean, does that happen if somebody spills the beans on some shit? It can. Um, like anything else with Internet um, hubbubs, you know, the, the, you can you can create a, a mess. But at the end of the day, I always like like I, like improv comedy when there was when the, there was a scuttlebutt in the improv comedy community. And I'd be like, go home on Thanksgiving and bring up the seriousness of, you know, short form versus long form or a true herald or how to do an opening at Thanksgiving and see how much people care. Um, Yeah. So, yes, there is definitely controversies within the magic community that people take very seriously that you can't make interesting to people outside the magic community. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I find that with, you know, comedy and yeah, just nobody gives a shit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Which is, which is like, 
relieving in a lot of ways and also makes you feel like you're wasting your life in a lot of ways, you know? <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. It's like simultaneously both. It's like, yeah, you'll hang out and they're like, what? Uh, yeah, okay. Just you get know. back to focus on being present and, and counting my own money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you got uh, four more bucks coming in from Andy and I. I'm going to sign <laughs> yeah, up for that shit immediately. Excellent. So you excellent. Count, count that $4. Um, Matt, uh, he's got an update. He is alive. Good. Oh, so that's great. So Matt's going to be okay. Um, and for this, Matt, the mind noodler. Yes. Thanks so much for uh, joining Thanks us. Thanks so much, guys. I really lo- yeah. had a blast. Thank you so much. And listeners, yeah. as always, you can find us uh, at probablyscience.com. Individually, I'm at Andy T. Wood. You are at just Jesse Case. Not just. I'm at Jesse, at Case, Jesse Case. And uh, uh, Jesse versus Cancer is back up and going. Awesome. Not the cancer part, but the, the pod. So, you know, jessevscancer.com. And you can listen to me ramble if you haven't had enough me. And you have. That's great. But if you haven't. No, I, ha- I got to get back into that. Um, no, you don't. No, yes, it's, it's, do. it fucking sucks. It's hor- I got nothing to talk about. I'm just like rambling Dude, about. Dude, I'm alone in the desert. I, podcasts are what has kept me sane. Listening and giving. And uh, giving? Mm. That's what I call this? Giving podcast? Yes, you've given forth the podcast. Fostering um, yes, a podcast. We appreciate all of our listeners and especially our patrons. You can find us at Patreon um and uh at probably science on most social and probably science at gmail.com is where you can send stories comments clarifications uh suggestions for future guests because this worked out so well i think this is a very positive thing now that we record remotely listeners you know our podcast because you listen if you think there's somebody we've been overlooking who we should get on hit us up and it'll probably happen three days later So, yeah. thank you so much, Matt Donnelly, for being here. Thanks, guys. And listeners, we'll see you Bye. next time. Bye-bye.